Hello and welcome back to the UOG Men's Rugby Podcast, the biggest and best podcast around. I'm Sam by the way, and I'm back with episode two of this season's podcast. And once again, with me is Charlie Hines. Charlie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. What have you been up to this week? Um, same again, really. Just lots of uni work. Um, was at the Gloucester game on Saturday, which is good fun. Um, and just, yeah, excited by the news that we can play rugby again. Well, from the RFU announcements, so that's... Yeah, that's good. Something to look forward to. Yeah, it's a lot better than we can actually prepare for something now instead of just not really doing anything. And we can start by getting back into trading after Christmas, hopefully, if nothing goes wrong over Christmas with this new tier system. But who knows with the government? Yeah, I might have to do a bit of bit of fitness and running over Christmas, which yeah, I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. I doubt you are either. Yeah, mate. neither. Just Christmas is for drinking, not for running. <laughs> Anyway, we've got quite a big episode for you all today. We've got Bath, England and ex-UGRFC winger Rory McConaughey joining us on the phone in a little bit. We've also got a new segment, when we're review- which we'll be reviewing the rugby from the weekend as well as the return of the quiz. So yeah, looking I'm forward exa- to looking forward to it. So Rory will be joining us in a little bit, but it is the 2nd of December today, so the run-up to Christmas. So, Charlie, are you excited for Christmas? Oh, very excited. Love a bit of Christmas. I've I've heard you do as well, mate. What have you been up to today? <laughs> yeah, just spent my day watching Christmas movies. Um, watched both nativities, with great films, classics, and the night before with Seth Rogen, great film as well. Um, while playing football manager, got Harrogate Town promoted to League One. Oh, yeah, loving it, champions. <laughs> so yeah, that's been my day. You have really been living the life. Yeah, uh, living the student life. With- you know, I, I had a lovely shower to Christmas music this morning. That's about as Christmassy as I've got today. Yeah, cans of Carlin. <laughs> Very Christmassy. Yeah. You know, it's like a Bucks Fizz, essentially. Essentially, yeah. Need, need a little bit of orange for juice. For Northerners. Bucks Fizz for Northerners. <laughs> yeah, so enough of me and Charlie talking. Um, we'll get Rory Mack on and get on with the show. So, Rory McConaughey, welcome to the UOG Men's Rugby Podcast. Do you want to just introduce yourself to those who don't know who you are? Yeah, yeah, can do. I'm, uh, yeah, Rory McConaughey. UOG alumni. Um, I left in when Jesus. When was it? 2015. Um, and since then, have been lucky enough to play for England sevens and fifteens, and now currently with Bath Rugby. So you mentioned you left UOG in 2015. So you came in 2012 or something. I came 2011. I did. Yeah. I was Fourth years. Fourth year old. Lovely. Um, so, yeah. did you expect to be where you were when you joined UOG in back then? Um, in terms of where I am now? Yes. Uh, no, not not at all, really. Um, professional rugby definitely wasn't on the cards. Um, I'd never been involved in any academy or county setup coming into that. And I'd, I'd done a year abroad in New Zealand playing a bit of rugby, but more, more actually just as a teaching assistant there. And then I was coming to uni to do my sports science degree and hopefully get on a PGC at the end of it. So how did your rugby journey kind of start at UOG then? What did you go through the ranks like the threes and upwards or? Yeah, so so back then, geez, did we have a three? I think we had a threes, but it was we didn't have that much game time. I was I had a bit of a stalled start. I played in the in the freshest trials, um, or first year trials, and then sort of had like a tiny knee injury. But then at the time, I didn't really know how to manage injuries that well, and obviously didn't 
didn't know the uni that well, so didn't really know how to access the best sort of rehab or whatever like that. And so that took a bit of time. So actually, I didn't really start playing uh, for the uni until after after Christmas. So I played a few games for the twos um, and then sort of cracked it in the ones finally and ended up sort of playing the last five or six league games for the ones and then playing uh, playing varsity that year. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a cool first year. It was a bit delayed, but yeah, sort of went from there and 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 carried on. I played sort of uni rugby for more or less three years of my time there. I didn't play it in my last year, but um, yeah, absolutely loved it. What was kind of the standard of the uni rugby team at the time? Um, at the time, I remember we so we'd actually it was the first year playing. Uh, back after I think two seasons I think they hadn't hadn't had a sort of performing team for two seasons and so I think we were in Western 1A Um, and you know at at time although I I still think we had some great like individual players at the time we probably just didn't click as a team that well and maybe that was like the hours like we didn't really get that much contact time training Um, obviously boys having jobs doing degrees at the same time like they can't do rugby 24 7 at uni um and so yeah we we probably underperformed um you know we i remember getting beaten by sort of extra force by like 30 or 40 points and we're just like oh no we're meant to be the first team um but but yeah no like the the, I think the development for some of the boys was massive because, like, we had some decent coaches at the time. We had uh, we had a guy called Phil Llewellyn. Mark Jeffries was DOR at the time, and then sort of in end of my second year, Chris Downs came in and started helping out a bit, and he sort of completely turned the forwards around. And, and like, I think a lot of the boys sort of have a lot of credit towards him for for helping change it. And then you know the time that Phil put in those first few years was was huge um and then it you know opened the doors for a few of us to sort of have a crack at England students trials and it helped that Phil was obviously manager at England students but you know he thought we were good enough and you know without his sort of that foot in the door originally I don't think we would have ever been been looked at at all I think there was three of us that sort of ended up going for students trials and me and a guy called Mark Lingard both played and then obviously I went on Mark didn't follow up rugby but like i I went on from there. Yeah, so was that kind of the start of your journey upwards in rugby? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was It was the first time I'd sort of experienced that taste of like a bit of professionalism, like only because at the trials you're getting you're getting these guys from the big unis, like your extra first teams, your Durham, your Loughboroughs, and they're all coming down and they're all playing in this, like what is now, I think, is, the, is it Super yeah, Rugby? Super, or Super, Super Rugby? Rugby, I think. Yeah, like Super Rugby, and you know, to us back then, obviously me and Mark there, we were just like Jesus, like these are like next level sort of rugby players. And then when you went through the trial, you actually realised like we're just as good as them. Um, and to be getting to sort of the final trials, and like, I think first year I just missed out on the last on the last cut, and the second year, yeah, both me and Mark ended up playing, and that was definitely the first step for me, knowing that actually we were good enough to play alongside these guys and and half of these guys were sort of linked with current premiership academies at the time um so it, it was good it was a good learning block in realizing that actually we could push on and and sort of challenge ourselves further whether it was club rugby or or, or something else
You mentioned Phil Llewellyn and the impact he had upon you, and he's still, I believe, quite heavily, well, not heavily involved, but linked to the uni with the Four Arthur Memorial stuff as well. How how mm. much of a significant impact do you think he had on your own personal career? Yeah, hugely. Like, hopefully he doesn't listen to this, so he can't, he, he doesn't get sort of all blushed and stuff. But no, you know, I, I can I can honestly stand there and say, like, I, I don't feel I would have got the opportunities that I did get if I, if I hadn't met Phil and he didn't sort of invest time in me and making me a better sort of bloke, but a better player as well. Um, like, we, we did a lot of sort of extra training on the side, sort of one-on-one stuff up at the Folly um, on days off. And he'd put in, like, all free of charge from him and stuff, and he'd put a lot of time into me. And, at, you know, at the time, as I said, he was he was the uni coach, but he took me and Mark up to Nuneaton um, RFC in, in National 3 at the time, and we, we got some exposure to sort of men's rugby for the first time. And then, obviously, with the England students and, and others, he, he'd pushed me on for that sort of after my second season at Nuneaton. He was the one that suggested I, I really try it with, with Hartbury RFC, um, their Saturday side, who were just a national one at the time. So, yeah, I like without him, I definitely wouldn't be here now. Like, not that I didn't back my own ability, but like, it is. It's like anything in life. Like, you need that foot in the door sometimes, and you need that just extra nudge just to get you in in that spotlight initially to to sort of show what you're about. You you mentioned your time at Nuneaton as well, and. We've seen recently that kind of university and like lower league clubs have actually done quite well in producing quite a few of the kind of big name players now. And you see like the likes of Alex Dombran, who came from Cardiff Uni recently. How much of an important pathway has that become now? Yeah, I, I think hugely. I think um, I think people are in in the Premiership. Well, I think Championship have done it for a number of years. They've picked up a lot of Uni players. I think Premiership probably haven't because a lot of the clubs will have been set in their ways and thinking, actually, you know, our academy works, that's how we're going to find talent and don't really open their eyes to what's going on around. Like, the, the uni uni rugby now, like, that top league is seriously competitive and, like, it's almost a semi-pro sort of standard. Like, I, I do think that quite a few of those top league teams could challenge in sort of, well, they do it at the moment. Sort of, you look at Hartbury and Hartbury in the championship and they... Uh, like they started just as a uni side, like they're always going to have a few ringers in there, but they are predominantly a uni side. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's massive. I think it's like in terms of obviously the rugby side of it, but in terms of life experience, like I absolutely loved my time at uni. I'm, I'm still still on a WhatsApp group with with 20 odd boys um, that we came through with that we all were in the same year group together. So yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved it and sort of. Uh, I'm a massive advocate for for uni rugby and for boys to try it. Obviously, you made your name really in the professional rugby world in seven. So, how did you kind of get into in the England sevens pathway? Um, so it was it was from it was I'd, I'd played for England students, the 15 aside, and then I'd, I'd played one game and, and got injured, didn't play again, um, and sort of thought like that was it. That was my one sort of big moment. Um, but then I'd, I'd had someone in contact with me that was the, the students coach at the time and sort of said, like, they thought I'd, I'd be decent at sevens. And um, they put me through for uh, the GB Uni seven side that was that was uh, going to Brazil that summer. Um, and, yeah, it was it was basically 
yeah, that that was my first experience of proper, um, yeah, higher level sevens. Like we we'd done Bournemouth for three or four years in a row, um, like. But it's it's a whole different kettle of fish sort of thing when you're playing against other like country seven sides. And yeah, we 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 ended up doing pretty well. We ended up winning the tournament. Um, I actually didn't have the best of tournaments, but came off the bench in the final and just seemed to have like a half of rugby where everything went my way and everything I touched turned to gold sort of thing. One of those perfect, um, yeah, those perfect period of plays where, where you're sort of dreaming of. And it just seemed to happen that day. And uh, off the back of that, I, like the England Sevens coach at the time, Simon Amor, had, had seen some of the clips and I, the Sevens program has always been a big advocate of university rugby and, and has got a lot of um, their players from the university system over the years. So he was having a look at that and, you know, invited me. This was the start of my fourth year, invited me down for a sort of what was to be a week's trial. Um, and then that sort of turned in, I ended up staying down there for six weeks. And then at the end of it, managed to get a few tournaments in, one in sort of Romania with sort of the England B-side as it was. Um, and then uh, managed to go like on invitational tournaments to, to Kenya and Singapore with these other teams. And like at the time, obviously being a uni student, it was just, it was incredible. Like I was getting all this stash. I was getting um, all paid for uh, trips to Singapore and Kenya, which I'd never really been before. Um, and yeah, like to, to go from sort of working three or four nights a week on a bar and, uh, and playing sort of uni rugby and then, Saturday rugby to doing that it was it was pretty cool um obviously the probably the, one of the highlights of your sevens career was going to the Olympics so can you just tell us a little bit about that experience as a whole yeah it was it was incredible to be fair it was um it was something that I'd not always dreamed of doing in terms of rugby wise because it was when I felt when I grew up rugby wasn't in the Olympics and so I'd like watched all these sprinters I remember back in like 2000 a guy called Maurice Green winning the men's 100 meters then I used to love it and I used to love getting up early and watching all these races and stuff and so to have a chance to go to an Olympic Games or to, to know that rugby was going to be part of an Olympic Games and then being having a chance to go as a squad like was yeah it was awesome so you know get, getting out there was just class it was seeing all these world superstars that you see on tv over the years and you're literally rubbing shoulders with them in the canteen or or in the lifts in the buildings um that you're all staying with and yeah you, you you're a bit starstruck in the first few days but then once you realize you're all actually there for the same thing then it's it just it normalizes everything how did that olympic environment compare to kind of the regular england sevens environment um it was it was a big step up in terms of, um, I think just the let the skill level and the training standards were were so high. So we had this we almost had this ten or twelve week like camp leading up to it, and it was thirty of us from England, Wales, and Scotland, um, all sort of like banging it out to to get into that sort of final twelve, and. Yeah, it's obviously the best players from England, Wales, and Scotland, and, and then a few guys that come over from 15s to give it a shot. And like, yeah, the quality of rugby was just so high. And like, some of the sessions were like, you look back at it and you go, "Geez, like it was, it was just class. It was, 
like hardly any errors going on and just boys going up against each other and then smashing into each other and then actually like the friendships that were made from it were were awesome too and what about the final well the getting to the olympics and getting on that podium yeah it was pretty special i think like forgetting about the final like the final was it was just one of those things we came against arguably the best seven side there there has been or ever will be in Fiji and like their lineup then was just something yeah miraculous and like I, I don't know what we would have done differently on the day to, to beat them like they, they seem to beat us in all facets of the game and all over the pitch sort of thing so like taking taking that away it was it was still incredible like to be able to as I said represent Team GB at the Olympics is one thing, but to be able to medal in it and come back with a silver medal, like that's going to be with me for life, and um, something that I'm immensely, immensely proud of, and proud of being a part of that team that that went out there. So, so what was that point that kind of after the Olympics saw you jump over to 15s again? What was kind of the instigator behind it? Um, so I I did that next season in the sevens, and um, that was. That was probably my probably because of the learning from the Team GB camps and the Olympics. Like the second season was probably like my best season in the sevens. Like I felt I was hitting my straps. Um, so I got player of the tournament in one of the, in the World Series tournament that we won in Cape Town, and like I just I like I felt like everything was going right. I think got to the end of it and like loved it. Like loved every minute of it, and like was chatting chatting a bit to, to my agent at the time and um, a, a guy called Dan Cooper who was originally an analyst at Bath uh, uh, sorry, originally an analyst at the England Sevens but had had gone to Bath since then uh, after the Olympics and um, like both of them had sort of voiced me that they felt felt that I like sort of could make it or could have a good crack in 15s um, but if I, like if I wanted to stay in Sevens then that was completely up to me and like if I was enjoying it there so I had to think about it. It was it was it was too short a decision to go look at the time because it was sort of June, or would have been yeah June 2017. Um, we'd just finished our season. Like I wasn't going to make a split second decision and sort of leave the sevens in a period of sort of one or two months. I, I wanted more time, so um, I, I thought about it over the summer and then I kind of came to the conclusion that yeah, I, I wanted to try it. I think. Uh, I would have loved to finish the sevens, finish my career in the sevens, and, and kept on travelling the world, like to see these amazing places and and play with a group of lads. It was very, very unique. Um, but I think I would have had something in the back of my mind constantly saying, like, what if you had tried fifteens, and um, yeah, could you have been good enough at that? So, so I, I kind of made my decision that I did want to give it a go, and and that wasn't saying that I was going to get it. Like it was more just put my name out there to clubs and see what came back and I spoke with my my coaches at the sevens at the time and actually they were really good good about it and really wanted to push me towards uh being successful in 15s um so yeah they like I'd, I'd love to, to to say there were loads of loads of clubs out there like wrestling for me and wrestling for a signature but Bath were the only ones that were keen and uh like I, I was happy, yeah. It's obviously been great, but I, I was happy at the time. Like I knew Coops, the analyst, he was there. I knew a few boys that had been there before. Um, it's obviously a lovely part of the world, and yeah, I, it was it was tough to make the decision, but I I kind of made it around, yeah, February 2018 or something. I I agreed to sign, and 
uh yeah and then joined yeah would have joined august 2018 just after our just after the sevens world cup um what kind of was the difference moving from the professional sevens and sevens environment to then the professional 15s environment at bath um it was it was it was a bit of a shock to the system at the start i think because in almost every training session we did with the sevens uh like it, it would be seriously intense and like you, yeah you, you're constantly under fatigue and conditioning everyone knows conditioning is a massive part of the sevens program and you've got to be willing to work very hard to to be successful in it and yeah i think that was the big change in it it was going from that to 15s where actually you're thinking week in week out playing saturday to saturday monday like mondays are all about getting the body right and actually much lower key training day Tuesdays a bit more and then they went into Thursdays and Thursdays were pretty high and then Fridays were captain's run and it was it was just getting used to the change of that week and I probably deconditioned a bit in that first year in terms of not really my body not being used to almost running less in a week every week and so I probably lost quite a bit of fitness in that first year of 15s um but I, yeah, I, that, you know, the boys at Bath were so were so good in getting me up to speed of things and actually just being pretty welcoming to to me when I came in and knowing like that it was going to be it was going to be challenging. Um, I probably yeah, they probably thought who the hell is this? I'd never heard of me before. Um, so it it was, but it was good. You know, it was a good challenge for myself. Like I'd signed two years there. I knew that first year was always going to be a challenge. So in my head, I, I sort of I set the task of sort of like we'll just learn as much as you can this year and like sort of develop your skills and, and next season like because I didn't come in until the end of the pre-season next pre-season really go at it and, and hit it hard and that's where like if, if first team appearances come then they will but uh, obviously didn't work out that way and yeah was a bit better and um, yeah it was, it was pretty decent first season ending up in uh, ending up in a World Cup. <laughs> so obviously you ended up in Japan. Was there any hints from Eddie Jones throughout the season that you were in contention for the squad? No, none at all. Uh, I, I honestly didn't know until the day he rang me, which was um, the day after our last game of the season. Like I, I'd, I'd heard murmurs from the coaches saying there was a possibility because of the way I'd been going with that... Um, England were looking at me for the Barbarians game um, as an outsider for yeah England versus Barbars, which is which is uncapped. And I was like, oh, that that'll be class. And then, but then I didn't hear anything else. And the coach was like, oh, it's gone quiet. Like, like don't worry. Like, you still got next season and stuff. I was like, yeah, well, I wasn't wasn't expecting it. So like, it would just be an incredible bonus at the end of it. So obviously, yeah, Barbars week had come, and I was like, well, I'm not in it. So I'll just think about my holidays now. And then yeah, I get get a missed call from Eddie and bring him back, and he was it was like a pretty blunt call, it was short and sweet, and that was it. And he just said, "See you in camp in five weeks," sort of thing. So yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less from Eddie. Where, um, where was your holiday yeah. planned? Where were you planning to go on holiday? Uh, we, we still went, but it kind of ruined the sort of relax. We went to <laughs> Croatia, um, but nice. like <laughs> me and the missus were sort of stopped drinking for a week and like ended up doing these random runs up the hills there and stuff so like it, it was still it was still just as fun but yeah it wasn't as uh 
as lazy as I'd hoped it would be. <laughs> I bet she loved the change of pace in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, um, you're in the camp for the World Cup, and then you made your debut against Italy at St James's Park. So, what was it kind right. of like to make pull on the red rose in the 15s game? Yeah, it, it, it was incredibly special. I think um, it was. It made it. It made it better and almost more relieving as I'd had a few injuries and, and false starts before officially making my debut. I was due to play against Wales twice at the beginning of those sort of autumn or August internationals. And uh, yeah, I managed to injure myself on the week of each each game and managed to miss out on both of those. So yeah, to, to finally be able to play and yeah, obviously sing the national anthem at St. James's Park, which is ironically, it's, like or coincidentally it's like I was a Newcastle fan growing up and stuff as in football fan so like if I wasn't going to make my debut at Twickenham it was quite cool that I was making it at St James's Park in Newcastle so um, yeah it, it was incredible it was like it, it honestly went like that like it was a blink of an eye and it was the end of the game and stuff and um, you always look back at these games and you're like oh, I wish I'd done more I wish I'd done that like could I have made like more of an impact and sort of got more caps off the back of it and stuff and but it was just yeah it, it was incredible to, to be able to achieve that and to, to get to the point in my life and obviously then at the World Cup scoring a try against the USA was it I think yes yeah, so what was what was that like getting your first points for England as well? Um, I guess you don't really think about it at the time. You kind of it's reaction, isn't it? You're just getting the ball and rolling over the line as as, as quick as possible. Um, like we we were beating them comfortably at the time, so it wasn't like I was going obviously as a winger you want tries, but it wasn't like I was thinking shit, I've got to score against these guys. Um, like yeah, to prove to prove something. It was it was more it just. It ended up in my hands. I think JJ got a nice outside break, and it was a two and one, and and gave it to me. And yeah, it, it was awesome. I think it, what made it more special with both those occasions was that, like in in Newcastle, my mum, my stepdad, and um, my brother was there. And then in in uh, in Kobe in Japan uh, when we played the USA, it was my my dad, my stepmom was there, and I had. Uh, a couple of great uni mates actually there at the time as well, which was yeah very very special. I was just going to say, what did you make of kind of the whole World Cup camp in general and how Eddie was within it? Yeah, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like people, you hear you hear stories in the press over the years about people being trained too hard and this and that, and like in, in my in my thoughts, like you're at international level, you want to be the best team in the world. So why wouldn't you be training as hard as you possibly can and, and being put under like extreme pressure to perform and stuff. And I think it probably helped coming from that sevens environment initially, where that's what we were all about anyway. Um, so I think going into that 15th camp, it almost made it not easier. It's never going to be easier, but it made it, I, I was more comfortable knowing that it's going to be, I'm going to swear, but it's going to be fucking hard. But like, that's that's all right. Like, that's why we're here. So yeah, I loved it, and I loved the off-field stuff that we did. Like, not like big social stuff, but like, as in like the little um, like day trips we had planned and stuff. We went to, we obviously had a two sort of heat camps in Treviso. We managed to like visit the towns and stuff, and just you know. Uh, and then when we got to Japan, it like 
it didn't really change. I thought it I thought it would be like much more serious, but actually it wasn't. We were still um going through every week like the last and it did like I felt that helped us massively push through that tournament and just almost be a bit more relaxed around stuff off the field. Um obviously when we were training we were going for it but like boys going for coffees uh during the day and stuff or do planning activities going out for food like one night of a week every week we'd always go out for food go out for a different restaurant in groups whether it was backs or sometimes like different groups that you wouldn't meet you wouldn't talk to before um so yeah i i loved it like the whole experience people can say like oh was it like what was it like playing was was scoring your favorite uh favorite part of it it was actually just that whole my my memory is those five months and how incredibly special it was for me to be part of that group and to enjoy everything uh, that we did uh, in the lead up to, to that final. What, what do you make of how England are going at the moment? Because they've come under a bit of criticism. They've been labelled boring and defensive by quite a few <laughs> members of the press and whatever. And um, your teammate Sam Underhill made some comments about that's just part of the game. You've got to go, get on with it. What do you make of the whole situation regarding that and how England are going? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with Sam. You know, you can't you can't please everyone, and you know, <laughs> this team's won all their game. Like they've lost what twice in 12 months. I think, I think. so. Yeah. South Africa and France, and and that's it. One, one of them was a World Cup final, and so it's like, geez, like you know, the press are always going to be out to to get you at some point. They're never going to be your mates. So I, I just think it's one of those like, obviously. Um, fans voice their opinions about the game is going boring. I don't think that's that's, that's not England's problem. That's not their fault. They're, they're there to win international rugby games. And you know, it's 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 interesting. I was having a chat with someone the other day. Actually, funny enough, it was uh, Chris Downs the other day. I was having a chat <laughs> with um, about this, and like the the issue is is in the laws. It's not it's not within the way people are playing. But because because how good everyone is nowadays, and how good defences are and how athletic and fit everyone is it's so much harder to, to score points um, at, at that level it's, it's, it's a completely different game to premiership rugby um, and so to do that you've obviously got to break down the, like, the, the opposition whichever way you can and for England's way it, it is, it's their defence and it's their kicking game and they just build pressure and build pressure and wait till the other team cracks and, and, and it works like I think you look back to the World Cup final, that's exactly how South Africa beat England. England were, were very good at it as well, but South Africa were better at um, winning that game line and better kickers on the day, and, and that's what that's what won it. And uh, people seem to forget about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's where the game is at the moment. I think unless there's law changes, I don't exactly know what it would be. I think... I think you've got to look at the amount of subs that are used. You can still have a sort of a bench of eight people, um, but maybe only use five or something. But I, I just think you, I can't remember who said it in the press the other day, but as in made a point about you get 16 fresh athletes coming off the bench about 50 or 60 minutes on the pitch. So no wonder it's still so hard to break it down because there's, there's people that are built to run 80 minutes and they're only getting 30 minutes. So they're like their engines are, are completely full. <laughs> yeah, I think they made they made that point point on the rugby pod this week with Jim Hamilton and Andy Goode about the subs, saying there's something needs, yeah. probably something needs to be done. 
about around that. So. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it, it could be that. It could be that actually it's, it's a much quicker time if you're going to box kick something. Like, you know, they're, they're given the, the extra five seconds to, to kick it. It's, it definitely doesn't need that. Like, you see the amount of time teams take to set up. And, like, if they want the game to speed up or to force errors quicker so people can pounce on it and start attacking, I think you probably speed up the box kick. But, I, um, yeah, um, I'm just a player at the moment. I can't really... I don't fully know the the answer to it. Um, I, there will be there will be an answer because it has changed over the years and rugby has adapted over the years to make it to keep it entertaining and exciting. So um, yeah, it's for the it's for the big wigs at the top to figure that out. In fact, the the cater, extras caterpillar as well. What do you think of that having played against it this weekend? Yeah. Oh well, Jesus! After this weekend, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's like it works, and and that's the thing. Extra. As soon as extra put under pressure, they'll go to that box kick and they'll go to the caterpillars. But because they're kick chase game and their kicking's on the money a lot of times, like that's that's how they build pressure. They force other teams to make errors by getting in the way of their catches, forcing a knock on or tapping it back to their own side, and then they'll often kick again because they know the backfield's then free because people have come up. So yeah, it's like they're the best in the well, they're best in Europe at the moment, and you can see why they're they're so brutally efficient at what they do um they rarely get into 22s without coming away with points and they've got a monster pack who just seems even if it's not the out and out starters they bring some other people off the bench who just know what they're doing and and they do it very well and you know fair, fair play to them that that's what all of us as other clubs are striving to be at the moment um that you know they're the top dogs and everyone wants to knock them off their perch and Obviously, yeah, we we we, yeah. Failed, we failed pretty miserably at that at the weekend. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want to dwell on the start Bath have had, but how is it disappointing for you and the team to come from where you were at the end of last season in the playoff semi-finals to where you are now? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like no no team wants to lose, and you know it it probably hurts a bit more at the moment because we know how well we can play. Like people can say, oh, we're missing internationals and stuff, but it shouldn't make that bigger difference to the way we play and that's probably what we've failed at recently in terms of knowing what we're good at and knowing what what worked over the last sort of six months and actually just going back to doing that don't try and invent the wheel don't try and do anything uh different and go out of system actually just stick to our roles that we know we're good at and and do that and um look i'm i'm i completely back our players and i'm sure like we put in the work at training like things will turn around pretty quickly and We'll be back onto it, but um, yeah, you've got we've got to work hard to to be able to do that. You can't in this league. The league is getting so competitive at the moment that um, yeah, you just can't. There's no bankers at all, and you can't just rest in your laurels and and assume that oh, even though it was a rubbish training week, we'll go into this and we'll still we'll still beat them. Like it just doesn't work like that anymore. The the one thing I've noticed with Bath that I'm liking is the kind of the trust and belief that everyone's having in Stuart Hooper's way of doing things. What do you make of him as like one of the kind of up and coming coaches in the sport at the moment? Yeah, I, I, I seriously rate hoops. You know, I, I spoke to him before joining Bath and uh, yeah, like you, you could see then like he was, he was primed to be a DOR. Like I, I think, I think he initially got, he got thrust into the role sort of like, a year ahead of schedule maybe but actually like he was miles ahead of a of a lot of other coaches at the time anyway so 
I think the way he does it is is very well. He's a, he's a great people person um, and and people manager. So yeah, I I like it and I, I love the coaching staff that we've got around him. You know, Neil Hatley, head coach, who he brings his experience from England. Gervin Dempsey and Ryan Davies are sort of attack coaches. Um, and then you've got your sort of Mark Lillies and, and Luke Charteris and that were helping out with the forwards and stuff. And it's yeah, it's 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 a great environment. Like obviously Farley House is pretty spectacular scenery to to be able to train at. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah loving it. We're just before we get into some questions we've got from our Instagram followers and a few of the boys from the group chat. Um, Perfect. We're <laughs> uh, there are some good ones coming up. Um, just a fa- <laughs> just a final question in general in terms of we're one year into this World Cup cycle. What's kind of the aim for you personally going forward? Um, I think probably the last twelve months has taught me a lot in terms of I can't I can't have England as as my goal because however well I play and stuff and 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 you know how this is for anyone this isn't just for me however 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 well anyone plays um they can be doing everything right at the end of the day we can't control whether we're selected or not we can do we can put our do our best to put ourselves in the shop window but we we don't have the control over where whether we're in the team or not so I think having that as a goal for me um I I kind of had it after the World Cup thinking like yeah right I want to get back into this team like I loved it I want to play international rugby again and when I didn't it hit me quite hard I think that's what's been easier than the last six months I've just been enjoying my rugby and and my goals have been solely focused around Bath and having success and you know the aim is to win championships for that club um, and anything else that happens on top of that is a bonus so it is it is as simple as just week in week out for me at the moment like Right now, it's we want to get off the ground. We want to get our season running and um, and beat Worcester at Worcester on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it's it's a boring answer, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's literally about sort of the next job mentality and who we've got next. Lovely stuff. So, moving on to this lovely Q and A, we've got. Um, uh, you, you might know a few of these people asking the questions. So, uh, where should we start? Um, <laughs> There are some questions that we definitely can't say. Um, yeah. Um, Sam, which one do you think? I'm um, sure. <laughs> our, our current first team captain asked, go. what yep. is the social life like at Bath? <laughs> well, non-existent at the moment, but when it was pre-pandemic time, it's, yeah, it's good. Like, it is, it's, it's good having rugby club socials and stuff. And, like, it's not some boys will love the week in, week out Saturday night piss ups and stuff. Other people like you know, so some of the guys are family, so they can't really they can't really do that. Like, I love some of the socials that we do plan. Like, we went to Madrid in my first season for three days and sort of just got lost and yeah, ended up back at just the, the the main thing was getting back on the plane and making the plane back. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty class social. I think we yeah we'd beaten Saris on a Friday night. Um, woke up at six the next day some of the boys had been out and hadn't gone home um got to bristol airport and yeah just got on it for three days really and it was yeah it was awesome <laughs> on. um yeah um you and also asked again who were kind of the big characters in the england social group england social group 
Um, to be to be fair, like without digging anyone out, like actually most most of them bought into it pretty well. Um, like I think when when we did have a have a couple of socials out either out in Japan or or in the lead up to the World Cup, like actually always were pretty happy with yeah get getting stuck in uh, because like that I think that's that's why it works that's why the the team works so well together and there was such good cohesion because like the boys trained very hard on the pitch and sort of ended themselves in the sessions but also when we were told like this is, there's been a social organized for you players if you want to have a drink have a drink actually boys did enjoy themselves and, and that was the thing like it's, it's never going to be you know, it's never going to be crazy. It's never going to be uni standard. It's never going to be the same as some of the club socials that you hear about in the news that have gone wrong. But because they're these, some of these guys are sort of rugby global superstars. Like they just cut, you can't do it, and which is sad. But um, yeah, no. But it's it's good. It was it was good fun. We've got a couple of others that I'm not completely sure of the backstory behind them. But we've got one from Luke Cador. Um, right. saying, is it true Martin Pace has better chat? <laughs> Martin Pace, at the time, he's a good mate of mine. Um, we lived together pretty much all through our uni career. He was sports therapy and, uh, yeah, he was a therapist for rugby. He was also second team captain for a while. Um, how he got that far, I'd, I'd never know. Um, because, yeah, the guy was about... The guy is about six. Actually, no, he's put on weight now, but he's about sixty kilos wet through. Um, but yeah, no, Packer does not have better chat. I, like, I'm not even going to play up to that. <laughs> he's actually asked you two questions yourself as well. So course, the first yeah. one he's asked was, "Who was your favourite housemate at uni?" Cador's asked that, or Pacey's asked. That. Um, Pacey. Of course, yeah, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm not going to say him, just for out of spite. Um, who was my favourite housemate? Um, ben Parfit will be listening to this, so I probably won't say him either. Um, I'll go Mark Lingard, why not? And the, was, yeah. yeah. And Sorry. The second question he asked you is, pick two, Wakami, Cheltenham Kebab, Go Perry or Roosters? Um, Wakame at number one, always has been, always will be. And then go Perry. Brilliant. And finally, there's one from Joe Sago, um, which is, yep. would you rather fight a Werner Cock-sized swan or a swan-sized yep. Werner Cock? <laughs> Werner Cock-sized swan or a swan-sized Werner Cock? Swan-sized Werner Cock, definitely. <laughs> it's highbrow, highbrow questions. Yeah, it? very highbrow questions. <laughs> so... Rory, thank you for joining us and taking the time out of your Wednesday evening. Um, obviously, we can't be doing much at the moment with the lockdown, so this has been our entertainment for the evening. So thanks a lot for joining us, and good luck no against Worcester on Sunday as well, Saturday as well. No, thanks a lot, boys. Cheers, Rory. Cheers, Rory. Thanks a look. Thanks, bye. Um, so that was Rory McConaughey, uni legend, England <laughs> international, um, Olympic medalist, Commonwealth medalist. So, big deal for the podcast. We're moving up in the world, Charlie. Indeed. We're hitting the big time now. We'll be on, we'll be on the Apple podcast chart soon. But, yeah, he's, he's, he is one of the the nicest blokes I have met in rugby, to be fair. He's a, he's a top bloke, really, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And he, he's, nah, fuck. Nice of him to take it. 
<laughs> nice for him to take the time out of his day to come and speak to us as well. Like he didn't really have to do that, so good on him. And he's been to down with uni before doing the varsity shirt presentations. Last time I had varsity with Downsy, so it's good to have him back and good to have a uh, UOG alumni. Indeed, on the podcast. So, if you any other alumni is listening, if you want to get involved and just chat to us about your time at uni, you'll probably need to be less professional than Rory was there. So, come and tell us your stories if you want to. Yeah, it's not highbrow stuff, as you can tell <laughs> by the end of that. <laughs> Literally. Um, so, we've got a new segment like we introduced at the start. Don't have a name for it. Just call it the Rugby Roundup with Tommy. So, Tommy, our CC, is here. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm joking. Tommy, do you want to introduce it? introduce it yeah so i just thought it'd be important to get in a proper english accent so you can actually understand what people are saying uh but so this really? I, I don't like how this has started <laughs> uh, I, we fa- we'll veto him to be fair it was, it was him or yestin and yestin's welsh so. oh fair enough yeah we'll, we'll get out. sorry yeah. welsh people yeah so this is just basically summing up because we're a rugby podcast summing up what happened over the last week uh, yeah. So should we get started? Oh, yeah. Go on then. So obviously me and Heinz were at games at the weekend, so we we watched a few of them, didn't we? Indeed, indeed. I, w- I watched my highlights again this morning, and caught a few of the international games. So I hashtag think... journalist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow Sam by the way on Twitter. It's high. top quality yeah. stuff. Go on, Tommy. <laughs> so first game on Friday night was obviously Newcastle versus Sale. Uh, so Newcastle took that uh, with a last minute try, one fifteen thirteen. There were actually 74 kicks in that game. I've got another little stat for you there. That was just over two a minute. So what do we make of that? In my eyes, too much kicking kind of killed the game that night. It was so boring. It was a fairly boring game. I I will admit I was watching the Super League final more of that. than I I was that because it was a bit more interesting. (laughs) I I was watching I'm a Celebrity at the same time. (laughs) I was the only one that watched it. No, I did watch it. No, I had it on my my laptop. Yeah, same. Rugby league on yeah, the telly. Because obviously Sale are my local team, but I know me and Charlie have spoken about this a lot, but they're just so fucking unlikable. <laughs> like, it's just painful and like... But any opportunities with Sale in the future that may come our way, we hope. Yes, <laughs> and if Sale want to sponsor this podcast, feel free. <laughs> but it's just, I think we've said this a lot, it comes from higher up and like Diamond. It's just the discipline of it. And like you can see the the discipline cost them that game, the penalties... The chat and bat cost him 10 metres a couple of times, gave away a load of penalties, and then Newcastle scored that Toby Flood try. I'm just, I'm just loving the look of Newcastle at the moment. Yeah. And it's the whole thing about a lot of people have been talking about how it's they've not played for seven months and they have that freshness that they think is benefiting them so much. And the way they just kept going throughout the whole 80 minutes and then got that try at the end, which was a ridiculous try to even... I know they had advantage, but to pull it off like they did... Was it Mickey Young? They kicked it, yeah. Yeah, and Toby Flood scored. And then Toby Flood scoring, it was. How is he still playing, by the way? 35. <laughs> I had to Google it earlier because so. I thought he was a lot older. <laughs> so did I. But fair play, fair play. Um, Doing the job. Yeah. One, one quick point in that. Sale, I don't know how much you watched Munster back in the day when they were good. When they just ca- bobs, when they kind of just tried to bulldoze it through the middle and use their powerful forwards. I think that's what Sale try and do. But they're just not as good. And it's... Do you think they're missing Tuolangi? Yes and no, because they've got Van Rensburg. They've got Sam James as well. They're both quite... They've also got Sam Hill in the, uh, yeah. in the light. Obviously, he's quite a big impact player. Uh, like go well, I mean, half their go-forward is through one family alone. So They've signed another one, haven't they? He's yeah, not, he's related, not related to it. That's right. a shame. 
It's like, it's like Natal Sharks in Manchester. <laughs> Tommy, do you want to move on to the next game? Because yeah. I can just rant about Sale all yeah, night. Move on quickly. So the next game was actually a, a real entertaining game, this one. It was Saints v Harlequins. Uh, it was, uh, so Harlequins took that game 49-29. Loads of tries in that one. Some real offload game from Harlequins. It was a massive difference to the game the night before. And Don Brandt had another very good game. Do we think he could probably make an England? I, I, I don't. Uh, uh, he's very good, yeah. but then you can't not select Sam Simmons if you select Dombrant. And I know he's gone and selected Jack Willis, but I think that's more justified perhaps because obviously he was player of the season last year. But it's, I don't know. I, obviously he's very good. And I think Billy Vanipola has a lot of pressure on him at the moment because he's maybe not been at his best. Who did you drop though, Billy? Um, yeah. I dropped Billy. Not from the squad. Dropping to the bench. Dropping to the but bench. Then yeah. you argue, is there a point of him from the bench? Well, it's the whole thing like Rory was on about how you've got yeah. players that can come on fresh and you think a fresh Billy Vanipola coming on about 60 minutes in. Scary. Exactly, when everyone's tiring. I think a lot of people have said though that although Billy isn't as good as he used to be, it's because England's back row options are just so strong. Yeah. And you've got Curry and Underhill just dominating everything. And without Billy, you can argue that they probably wouldn't get the kind of position to do it because Billy still carries, but you've just got a lot more people carrying with him. True. My only worry with the likes of Don Brandt and Simmons is that they play really well for their team, but is that partly because their team's playing so well? No, because Quinn's is shit. <laughs> well, to be fair, they were unreal at the weekend. Yeah, did you? Yeah. Do you well, yeah, I watched. I did watch. I don't know. It's, but, that but match were, was but weird. Were they unreal or were Saints that's, very average? That's what I'm about to say. Because Saints um, lost to undecided. a poor, Saints lost to a poor sales side first game of the season. Mm. Saints are in disarray. They haven't yeah. won in like seven or something. They are a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Quite and, frankly. Yeah, because Quinn's got battered by Chiefs first game of the season. And I think... They, Everyone's going to get battered by Chiefs. Yeah, <laughs> they're probably going to go season and beat, and it wouldn't I, surprise. I don't me. think they've. Um, Quinns haven't really lost many internationals either, have they? Uh, not loads, no. But, but yeah, when, when you've got yeah, when you've got like some Marcus Smith, it's just that, also Danny Kerr's still class. Oh yeah, I, he I, was ridiculous. People who say Danny Kerr's not good anymore, he's he's unreal. I've always liked Danny Kerr. I've already always preferred him to Ben Youngs, but let's not go down that Mar- rabbit hole. Marcus Smith, that try at the end as well as yeah. his kicking and everything he's England do have a slight embarrassment of mm. riches in the 10, ten. area but w- yeah. I don't know It's a, that's another awkward one for England because it's like they've called up Jacob Umaga but is he realistically going to play now No. or is it just yeah, like Marcus Smith when is in the apprentice role well. yeah Let's, oh, question for you Tommy if, if you had yeah, yeah if you had to pick an England back row plus the bench spot who do you pick if, you, if you're picking an England team to play tomorrow? Uh, ben Curry and Underhill. Ben Curry? Sorry, Ben Curry. <laughs> say poor Tom. Ben Curry's on his way up, right? <laughs> but the, those two definitely, uh, as my flankers. Number eight, I, I, I mean, not because I'm a Chiefs fan, but I think that Simmons, I definitely think a training score because I think that will help him massively. But I also think he is just going forward every time he touches the ball. His defence is really good. His open play is really good. Like, that. There's not really much to his game that I'm seeing as a negative at the moment, so I just love to see him in that England shirt and see what he can do for the country. But he can always flop. If you look at Good, he was never an England player, yeah, he was a Premiership player this season. Yeah, fair point. Andy Good did play for England, though. Andy Good, Alex Good, both Alex of them Good. did. I, I liked Alex Good, to be honest. Yeah. I just think it was a different system, wasn't it? Mm. That 
um, Eddie Jones wants to play with Daly as he could obviously probably a better kick option. Let's not talk about Elliot Daly. Don't yeah. like Elliot Daly. Oh, anyway, okay. right. that's controversial. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Elliot Daly, he didn't you deserve that. calling these teams out. You called out sales and then you called out Elliot Daly as well. And Quinns. At Sam, by the way, on Twitter <laughs> if you want to get home. So the next Let's talk about Bristol. <laughs> uh, before then, I've got the extra game. That kicked uh, off after it. Just go with it, Exeter. Yeah. Okay, so the Exeter game, my, uh, my team, Ooh. the boys, 40-3 against Bath. Absolutely smashed that game. Uh, so, obviously, did you see Maunders try as well that, to open the game up? Absolutely tore it up on the touchline. Nice little kick over, led to a five-minute scrum, push over. And on those scrums as well, the forwards getting four tries out of six. That's a massive part of Exeter's game. What do we think? Um, they, yeah. Ooh, fucking that's a bit loud. Sorry. I don't know if Tommy's mic's actually on. Tommy's mic isn't off, I don't think. Oh, that's good. You're serious? It wasn't off. No, can you, no, it's fine because we can just turn it off. We can edit it. But we'll go like that. <laughs> it's easier. Can you stop moving the mics now, please? Yeah, well, he needs to be able to speak. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah. Sorry, headphone users. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about this Exeter. Yeah, the forward pack in the Exeter squad. Yeah, they're unreal. Yeah, there's like, not much else you can say. Is, yeah, like they are just ridiculously good, and like at times it's painful how good yeah, they are. Ridiculously good and boring. Not <laughs> in terms of boring, in, well, no, not boring, but just predictable. In like, predictable it's, it's inevitable word. every time. Like corner, five meter, score. Predictable is a good word. That's yeah. definitely true. I, I, I take that boring. I apologise. But also, you don't, though, do you? they're not listening though, are they? But you, you also you know. look at. The open play stuff, like last week with the try from Simmons, this week with the try from O'Flaherty, like there's a obviously that boring element. Um, O'Flaherty's the more hardcore trial was very good, mm. but like you can say, it is predictable, but it works. So why would yeah, you stop exactly, it? Yeah. It's like um, in it's football sometimes, just Liverpool can be predictable. Yeah, but it works. It's a, it's the whole debate about international rugby at the moment as well. It's England, like, yeah, like people slagging off it being boring and kick tennis and not much actually going on but international rugby and premiership rugby you're in it to get your results and that's just what Exeter do so well and they're like they're not going to stop trying to get results are they just to purely try and entertain a few fans mm. it's like question for you if you're Exeter would you focus a little bit on Champions Cup for a bit of the season because you know you're going to get top four um, to make sure they know, get out of that depends, group to be back well, to back I, I'd say from a Chiefs fan, I'd like to see because I, I think Premiership's big, but Europe's bigger. So Premiership, you know, you're getting top four. But I think season. I think Baxter just has Baxter just wants he, to win. He just he? has that desire and pride mm. to try and get that top spot in the Premiership because yeah. I think when they set out their targets for the start of the season, they're not going to say, "Oh, we want want to finish fourth. They're going to mm. go, "We're going to win this league again by as much as we did last season." So I don't know. I think. Yeah, well, I think they can rest players and still be class, as we've seen with the yeah. international break. And it's like, they're, yeah, they're, they've, they've made a good start and it's going to get to a point that they might start that rotation when yeah. it comes Champions Cup. It, I think they're going to be fine. It goes to that point last week when we said it's a bit worrying how there are so many teams. Well, there are two or three teams who are so much better than everyone else. Yeah. And... 
But while you say that, this, <laughs> this weekend in the one of those teams who he said is so much better lost to Gloucester. Indeed, yeah, that shocked me actually. We, we can actually talk about that one now. You were there, Charlie. I was there. Done it, and you were a Wasps fan writing about Gloucester. So I am. how was that for you? Um, I don't know. I I wasn't as miserable as you thought I would have been. I was. No, you were chirpy when I texted you. I, I was. I was happy for Gloucester because the way they played the week before was abysmal. Um, so it was just to be able to write about something good, and the way they played was actually class and Wasps didn't play badly it was just Gloucester just early second half went through those motions they're a lot more physical and Lloyd Evans was very good in place of Cipriani who had an injury he wasn't just dropped he, he was would you would you pick him if he was fit this weekend um, stick him on the bench I, w- I wouldn't start him because I think um, Skivington does like his consistency within his mm. team, it seems. So I think if Lloyd Evans is playing well, then you're going to stick him in there again, try to do the same job. If not, you can stick Cipriani on for the second half or last 20 minutes and he can do what he does. Do you think Wasps are as good without Jack Willis? No, purely because Jack Willis is a whole team He's on Jack his own. Willis, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I think... I think that they... I, yeah, I don't know. It's an awkward one because they are still very good, I would say, because mm. you saw the way they reacted at the end of that game where they, in the last, in the 79th minute, they scored two tries to get the bonus it, yeah. point, which is, we'll see how that plays out towards the end of the It'll season. But the thing with Jack Willis when he's on your team is he gets you either the ball or the penalties. Either way, you're going to get points out of that sort of stuff. So. He's invaluable for them. The but score, you, by the way, was 40-24. Cheers, Tommy. You know us. But then you've got... Um, Barbary. On, yeah, he was immense. He, like, but that, now they don't have him this weekend either. No. Well, he, they might release him back. And I think, they, they, I think, I think might, Eddie will release him back. Yeah, I, I can't see him being in the... Unless he's just going to throw him straight in but, against France, which but, would be absolutely but, rogue. But then it's, France, it's France's B team, isn't it, really? True. Because they've... Got a few injuries, and it's that weird rotation thing because of the French leagues, which is it's political. So let's not get into that. But their captain for this weekend's got one cap, so that nice. Would be, yeah, but Bar- Barbary was absolutely sensational. I think I think he made about what was it 120 meters? Yeah, I think in it's, one game he's only 20 years old. It's so the that highest puts us a, to shame. It's the highest a forward's got for a while, apparently. Yeah, since about like 2006 or something yeah. like that. So he, um, he's ridiculous. So. It, as a Wasp fan, I'm very excited with the amount of players they've got coming through, like your Tom Willis's, you've got your Barbaries, you've got Gabriel Ogray. Ogray's very good. He is very good. He can play on the flank as um, well as and, hooker. And you've you've got three, you've got four very good hooker options. You've got Tommy Taylor, Tom Cruise, um, Ogray, and Barbary. Barbary. So, so like you're pretty sorted there. And yeah, especially if. Barbary's going to be with England a fair bit because maybe not now but in a couple of years time he will be I think it's important now actually with the amount of injuries that Wasps have it's like a list of about 16 players they've got and Tom Willis got injured the weekend as well so if you've got those players that are versatile like Barbary and Ogray then you're sorted yeah. to an extent hopefully touch wood they don't get injured as well but Might it is good to have that him. good to have that cover in there you know the the Ashley Johnson role <laughs> What, next game, Tommy? Yeah, Sorry, yeah, I've rattled so on a bit there. Let's go backwards in time again. So, <laughs> Bristol v Worcester. Yes. Uh, so, Bristol won 30-13. Uh, a good game from them, obviously, in attack. Yeah. Uh, unpopular opinion from me. They can't defend, which is why they won't win any Cups this year. Right, OK, let's get into this. Um, obviously, you know I watch them a lot. 
because I write about him and yes they can't defend but that's the way Pat Lamb plays and I think if you look at their injury list you said mentioned Wasps their injury list includes Morahan Luke Morahan Harry Thacker Charles Pietau um, who else Semi's Dave, Dave Atwood Semi Radrada's not there Callum Sheedy's not there Max Malins isn't there Ben Earl isn't there Carl Sinclair isn't there Yoan Lloyd isn't there this weekend oh my god he's unreal that was ridiculous Yoan Lloyd is class and but um Worcester should have won that game. Definitely. Is um, that knock on and yeah. try and see yellow yeah, yeah, cards yeah. as well? Yeah, the, the yellow cards were yellow cards. But that's where Bristol have started to do it. Like last season, I, I know what you mean about they can't defend, which means they won't win trophies, but they're getting better at that. But they've also changed their game plan slightly so they still play that expansive rugby, but they're doing what X to do and yeah. kick to the corners, do the driving over because their forward pack is pretty good. They got three driving balls uh, out of their five tries. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, mm, like that's quite good, and the, the but Worcester like I don't know about Worcester. They're an odd team. I hope Chicken they might go down. No, I hope Chicken Little's listening to this. They're a weird team. I don't know. They they've got some quality players in there. Like you've got your Ted Hills and yeah. your I think um, Tom Howell's a great player. But. Yeah, their centre Ollie Morris has had a good game as well. And then you, yeah, you've got Ollie Lawrence come back. There is very mm. lot of talent in there. It's just. Who do you think will go down? Um, I don't know. Leicester. It's early days. I, I'd, I, I'd be inclined to say Leicester as well. Yeah. To be what, is anyone going to go down? Let's get controversial. Yeah. Well, that, do, should there be a ring fence? No. Is it, if we're going to no. go real no. deep? No. no. That would just kill rugby yeah. in so I, many I think ways the across gap, the board. The gap between the championship the and the championship is massive. Yeah, but that the top ring fencing won't solve that issue. Just think about it. There's... But who, who do you, if you ring fence it, you have to put two teams up. Yeah. Really, and, and then it's probably Ealing, Ealing, and they're not good enough yet, and their yeah. support base isn't. What, if is you, their stadium even big enough? I don't think so. And if you have relegation, there's it's always going to be one team below because there's 13 big teams. Really, it's just the the problem is with just with championship. It's the, the, the money in it, the money being put into and the championship. Because you see what's in. what's happened to. Leeds Carnegie, Yorkshire Carnegie, yes. how they've they went from well they had one season in the Premiership, and, few, and then and well, then the, they've the just they and then they've ages. been kind of they were knocking on that door of the Premiership for a few years in the Championship, and now it's like they've just gone to uh, amateur again, hasn't it? Gone national one, I think it's semi-pro, and then they'll yeah, lead tight. That's where Sale FCR. So. It's like London Welsh as well. Yeah, London, they, London Welsh probably capitulate. Yeah, it's that's just a bit weird. You just need. <laughs> <laughs> need more money in the championship, yeah. really. Yeah, it's just RFU, isn't it? Because you've, as we were saying to Rory earlier, the championship and those levels offer such a good base yeah. for actual rugby. And like the England squad, as you can see, I think there was a stat of how many. I can't remember what it was. Oh, we did. I did it last year in a news day. It's something ridiculous. Yeah, how many players have played play championship, championship experience, and that's valuable. And we just need to. Can I just say we sound so nosy talking about this? Oh, but I quite like it. Right. Okay. <laughs> How many more games are there, Tommy? There's only one more. So the final game, London Irish v Leicester, as we already kind of started talking about. <laughs> that, that, that was a dull game. Yeah. Well. London Irish, their attack was just one-up runners, making it really yeah. easy for Leicester's defence. How mm. London Irish still won? They won 22-9, by the way. I, in a way, how they still won? They've just got far more quality. I don't know how that actually... It, it was so dull. And at the end, it kind of just ran away from Leicester. I, yeah. I don't really know how. I've actually got on my notes here that it was through penalties. It was the, yeah. the penalty count was getting ridiculous for Leicester, which is obviously just going to kill the game for them. Um, London Irish's new stadium is very like middle um, Eastern Europe. 
Football Stadium, Europe. isn't it? Yeah, it's a football stadium. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like yeah. it's very Eastern European vibes to the stadium, yeah. like the seats. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like East, I, I do the like kind of stuff you see England on the twenty ones playing. Yeah, I, I, like I think moving to a new ground and the way they're looking, It'll be good I'm, for them. I'm liking the look of London Irish because obviously they've brought in a few good players like Creevy and um, Curtis Rona um, and people like that. The whole as well. And yeah, he's injured. He, yeah, he hardly plays. But then you wouldn't notice because they've got Oss- Ossie, Ollie Hassel Collins, Ben Loader, and Paddy Johnson at ten. And yeah, they're just looking looking good. Yeah, a lot of quality, young quality as well. Do you want to briefly touch on the internationals? Yeah. We can, oh, we've still can, got the quiz to do as well. We can, we can, we can, I'll, I'll run through all. We can them. always just Thumb slag episode. off Wales slightly, can't we? Yeah. So Scotland obviously won twenty-eight nil, but because Didn't Fiji, play. Fiji, Fiji, Fiji play. Are back this weekend though, which is good. <laughs> they are. Wales lost thirteen twenty-four to England. Amazing result. Um, rough. England were amazing. Um, they played brilliantly. <laughs> and Wales are awful. Refer- <laughs> we got to touch on the refereeing. Yeah. It was a pretty, pretty poor. It's just fre- I, I, George Berry might be listening to this. He might not. But me and him have had the conversation about French refs, and it's when you look at the team sheet and see a French ref on there, you know, this is going to be a shit refereeing performance. Same with Italian refs. Good fun, though, isn't it? <laughs> what Good be- fun. What Just the, the lottery of everyone goes into a ruck, who's going to win the penalty, we yeah. don't know. It is a bit, it's scrums as well, they don't know. Yeah. Fact, I don't think anyone knows anything about scrums apart from the props, and even they yeah. don't think they really know. No, nah. oh, you do. I well, mean, I genuinely don't know really what, <laughs> as a person that's played rugby for however many years and is trying to be a journalist about it I don't have a clue what half the penalties are given for like how you said trying trying well, yeah, I'm very much I'm trying <laughs> it's not been very <laughs> successful but I'm trying um, what about the other international so then the other two games <laughs> we didn't really touch on that we were just like yeah Wales are rubbish <laughs> so France that'll do to be fair France won 36-5 against Italy and Ireland won 23-10 against Georgia not a big score right but it was a second I've got a couple team. of points from those games because I did watch both of these Italy um, pushed France quite well first half mm. and but it was again it was France second team, second team and they were too strong it's like, it goes back to the point that it was slightly worrying how poor Italy have been. And then Georgia, though, looked quite good against Ireland. I did like the look of Georgia, actually. They scored the first try of the tournament. That, that try, Great I try. think, was try of the tournament. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, maybe pushing Johnny Mays. Yeah, it's a good try. But it was very good. Um, like, that's the As they were saying on the commentary, that's the kind of try you'd expect your England's and your yeah. France to be scoring. Was it slightly worrying if you were Irish how poor they were? Um, I think they've had this issue for a bit, though, haven't they? That they've not really mm. quite hit that gear yet, and they're still... I don't know, because they've, they've got that issue of all their old guard mm. kind of on the way out. Yeah. And then, obviously, they've got a lot of good young they're players, good. but they're maybe just not quite at that level yet. Yeah. What do you reckon it is about a new Billy squad. Burns? Oh, go on. Go on. I was just saying, it is a bit of a new squad, so yeah. uh, obviously trying to get them all up to international standard, really. What do you reckon about Billy Burns at 10? I thought he was all right. I quite like the look I've of I've always him. liked Billy Burns. Indeed. And... Not not saying I'm a gloss. You slag but, everyone else off. Yeah. Billy Burns, best man. No, no, I like Billy Burns. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Um, when he was at Gloucester, I always thought it was a bit of a mistake them letting him go. Mm. I know he left because Sips was there and he wasn't getting the game time. And it's proved that the move was good. I think they should have done more to try and keep him. Because he's better than Lloyd, Lloyd Evans, let's be honest. Yeah, well... Let's sorry again. In the, anyone listening to this? In the context this. of things, that he's playing international rugby for Ireland, yeah. yes, he's at that stage of his career that he's... 
going a bit better, but I think Lloyd Evans is obviously a very good player. I need to stop being so controversial. Yeah, I'm, I'm meant to write about him <laughs> at the weekend, mate. You can't just slag him off and make me try and make up for it. Um, the only other international game was Argentina against the All Blacks. I watched that. I, did, I watched well, bits I watched, of it. Yeah, the last. All Blacks hacker was nice for Maradona. That was a very nice touch. <laughs> Moving on, Tommy, thank you a lot for joining us for this Prem Roundup and Rugby Roundup wheel. Have you back next week, unfortunately, because I think we'll make it a regular segment because it probably goes quite well. If you don't like it because we're nosy and horrible, just tell us. We can try and keep it short. Just listen to the first half. Yeah, just listen to Rory Mack. Yeah. The first (laughs) half's the interesting part. The second half is the bit that you can turn off. Right. Now it's time for the quiz. Yay. The quiz. So obviously we've got the rebrand of it like we had last week. So it's just going to be me and Charlie asking each other questions every week. So this time it's... You're right there. Sorry, I was just adjusting my microphone. <laughs> this time it is my turn to ask Charlie five questions. And I, uh, last week I got one, so great start from me. Can't say I'm going to do much better. But... Right, so Charlie. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Question one. You captained the third team last season for oh, one yeah. game. And so you have to get both of these right to get the point. Who was it against? Yeah. And who was your scrum half? Oh, I can't believe you've done that to me. Um, who was my scrum half? Do you know who it was against? I know it was against Southampton. Do I need the full? Yes. Uh, Southampton Medics? Correct. Yeah, because they're the not very good one. Yeah, who was, who was your scrum half? Um, my scrum half was... Kieran? Correct. Yes. Okay. You started better than me. Very good service right. I got on that day. <laughs> so... You can have within 10 seconds for this question. What was the time on the clock when Toby Flood scored the winning try against Sale? I need it in set minutes and seconds. And you can um, have it within 10. I think it was just over, wasn't it? So I think a couple of minutes over. So I'm going to go like 82 20. N- incorrect. 81 37. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Nowhere near. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> question three. What was the total amount of tries scored on Saturday's action across the Premiership in Autumn Nations Cup? Jesus Christ. Um, you can have it within two. Oh, within two. That's very generous of you. Um, <laughs> Shut up. I don't know, because... Well, OK, there was nine at the Gloucester game. <laughs> I'm not counting them all, but we'll go 32. 40. Oh. So, no, you're quite, right quite right neck off. of the woods, but... Yeah, right. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Question four. Our guest, Rory Mack, scored his first and only try for England versus USA in the World Cup. Who else scored their first and only England try in that game? Jack Singleton. No. No? No, Lewis Ludlam. Oh, of course it was. Jack Singleton started that game, though. Close. That's why I got confused. Um, I've bottled that. Should have thought about that. Final question. Human. Who scored the first try at London Irish's new ground? Curtis Rona. Correct. Well done. Do you see his little offload? Yeah, good try. Very, very nice. Very so... Nice. <laughs> Charlie, you've taken the lead. So he's got two points. I've got one going into next week. This is a poor standard. To be fair. Throughout. Uh, my questions. Just the podcast. My general. questions are hard. Yeah. I mean, you can set them as hard as you like. I'm going to next time. See how you. See I how, know. Some of those were quite hard. The Curtis Rona question was quite easy. Yeah. I, I, actually, I've got one more question just to see if you know the answer. Is it someone's middle name? No. Can't remember what I put. Where's it gone? Um. Your own time. How many grounds have played Premiership rugby? Have held Premiership rugby now? Irish have played at the new ground. 
39. You watched the highlight show, didn't you? I did, mate. Yeah. I did. Right. It's a good start. <laughs> it is, to be fair. <laughs> Tommy looks very confused. Anything to say, Tommy? <laughs> so, right. Thank you all for joining us. It's been a long episode. If you're still here, fair, fair fucking play. <laughs> um, no yeah. one's probably going to hear that, so you feel Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, so, thank you all for joining us. If you want to get involved and be a guest, then feel free to message us on the UOG Men's Rugby Instagram account. Um, make sure you like the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give it a rating. Get us up those charts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> follow us on social media as well, because we like followers. And yeah, thanks for joining us. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>